Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. We feature guests of varying backgrounds and lived experiences to share their empowering stories, knowledge, and insights. Our goal is for you, the listener, to fill your mind with empowering content to further empower your human. I'm your host, Inkeaching Waffle Robinson, and founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, Inc. I'm an award-winning technology executive, having been awarded Most Powerful Women in Canada Top 100 by the Women's Executive Network, WXM, in 2020. But that's not all. I'm a proud author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and viral sensation with speeches that have been viewed over 10 million times worldwide. I trust that you are already feeling empowered. So please listen, leave a review, share the podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to the next episode of Empowered My Skin, the podcast. My next guest is Energy, has a dynamic personality and such a light this world. He has a number of commas after his name. For starters, he's a family man, married with three sons, but that's not all. He's an actor, activist, speaker, writer, pro athlete, singer, and entrepreneur. He hails from Alberta. He began his acting career at the age of 14 in the film Child of Dust, Children of Dust, starring legendary actor Sidney Poitier. What a way to start. Um, as an athlete, he earned and accepted a full athletic scholarship to the prestigious Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, where he was a breakout track star athlete. Uh, beyond acting, he also produces many award-winning film and television productions. Let the commas continue because I'm not done. He is the founder of Make It Awkward, an anti-discrimination campaign founded in 2016, uh, set to disrupt the current responses to racism, sexism, intolerance, and hate. Listeners. Friends, family, it is now time for you to put your hands together, put your ears together, join me in celebrating this phenomenal human, Jesse Lipscomb. Oh man, I'm happy you recorded that. I'm just going to use that when they ask for photos. I'm using this clip and we're good. You are so great. So actually, um, to give context, because obviously the air date for this is very different than when the interview date, but when Sydney Poitier was announced as, you know, leaving us is such a great I immediately thought about this experience with you and mm-hmm. want to ask you like how you know what did you do this week did you how did you honor him considering that he was like the start of your right. career yeah so like uh my, my wife she works for CBC she's a producer there in Vancouver uh, so you know it was just a few days ago uh when this actually happened obviously this, this is a little bit later in the future um and she called me and just asked if uh you know I'd be able to come on uh, air just to talk about my experience with him and you know for me he wasn't I didn't just do a film with him he was actually my first film mentor mm. you know so he yeah I was young and I didn't know who he was at the time uh, of course my mother and grandmother did I was 14 at the time so at, at that time he was like just uncle he was his uncle Sid, Sid you know what I mean like he just brought you every day at lunch he would teach us about what it's like to be um, a black man in, in the film industry, what it's like and how important it is to choose roles that uh, make a difference that you will be proud of in years to come. You know, a, a lot of the, uh, you know, the fights for what he had to do, he wanted to share. And it was amazing. You know, it was just like, 
just sitting around the table like you would with family. And it wasn't until later that I realized who it was I was sitting with, obviously. But I kind of liked being able to go in there uh, with that innocence at that age and just be mm-hmm. able to soak it up, just like uh, just another one of my elders that I respect. And uh, we continued to stay in contact until uh, maybe my sophomore-ish year at Morehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, a little bit less. But it was just an honor to be a part, small part of that legacy at Definitely. I mean, he's literally started my acting career. Yes, I know. Uh, That's why I thought of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be like, I want that guy to play my son. And, and there, I wasn't thinking about film and TV that, that at all. So that was the first shot. And uh, I got the nod from the king. Wow. That is incredible. And, and you know, if you start to think, like, in reflection, what's the biggest, like, what's the biggest impact he's had for in, in your life? Yeah, I think the biggest impact was that discussion about uh, choosing roles carefully. Mm. You know, as an actor, regardless of what color you are, you're always hungry to work. And the idea of saying no to a role or the idea of proposing uh, a different direction for a character because this character might be more of a trope or stereotype or doing something that might shine a light in the wrong way. Uh, Usually, like, I won't do that. I just want to make sure I'm working. Mm. But that, you know, early on, I got that level of confidence and responsibility, if anything, to be able to make sure I do that Mm -hmm. when I have, you know, the situation or a platform to do so. And I've done that throughout my career. Some I've said no to, some I've just discussed with the the writers and and the producers about how we should go. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not assuming we're doing this uh, on purpose, but just so, you know, this is what it might look like when the show is done, if you want to make an adjustment. So it's been great. He's given me a little bit more... uh, control in my career at a younger age and I definitely took that into my now middle-aged old man times. no you're not you just look like it was like just yesterday you were 14 come on (laughs) so you know as I introduced you I said you know you're a light and I'll be honest with you I mean that I don't I mean this is to everyone that's this is our first interaction other than a couple of hey can I interview you I reached out on uh, on Instagram, and so what had happened was you had come to present in my organization, and okay, somebody okay. sent me a like a, a chat message to say, "Oh my God, I'm listening to this guy Jesse Lipscone, and he reminds me like your his energy is like it's like your energy, and I just think about it, and he's such a light, you know." And so I immediately went to Instagram, like, "Who's this Jesse Lipscone?" And I I think it was a video that you had done. I can't remember what it was, but like I didn't even hesitate. I was like light like you lit me up and so i love i love that about you and 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 to me i find that people that live in that level of light have really uncovered the truth about themselves and so i love Mm -hmm. to say that understanding is the truth that we stand under and so what can you share about the truth that you stand under about yourself yeah that's it first us need i didn't know the backstory i love that so thank you for sharing that um yeah i mean the truth that i stand under i think for me a lot of it is authenticity and courage uh, for sure. There's there's something about you know finding your passions if you can find them, and that's one thing. And then and then living in them, um, it provides such an internal fire and joy that the hard stuff and the good stuff, knowing the ebbs and flows, all of that is just part of the journey. But there's this certain feeling of pride you can have when you're just gonna stick with it. And you're not sticking with it for any other reason than you just know you're supposed to. It's almost like an insult to the universe to find uh, something that you love and then and then deny it. Uh, and so for me, that like that's kind of the truth I live under, and the same one that I share 
and I really like encourage others to find and I and will do everything I possibly can to help them walk in their passion light mm. because it just makes everything a little bit better. It's contagious. It, it makes the cloudy days a little brighter. It allows you to also understand that you're not going to stay on the top forever. Mm. It just I think it just prepares you to experience life with real connection uh, when you're authentic and courageous in your passion. Woo! I, I mean, that's everything about this podcast. That was a sermon. And we're done. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I, wow, that was, anyway, for all of that, what is your, then what is your greatest I am? Like if there was just one I am statement, what is it for you? Uh-huh, interesting. My greatest I am statement. It literally starts with I am. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be I, I, I am uh, nothing. Uh, I am everything. Mm. I am you. Uh, I am me, I am we, I'm a fragment of eternal, eternity, I'm a morsel of the universe. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm not anything more than anything else, but I'm also everything. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of just I am exactly what I'm supposed to be, and I know that it's not a lonely island. I'm mm-hmm. connected to every human being, every plant, every morsel, every piece of energy. That it's like to float through it wherever it's supposed to be. And that's wherever I take it. So that's not a short I am, but yeah, that's no, it. I, I, you know what? I, I actually can concur because I would say that that's how this experience got built. So right, you were right. who you were and someone latched into that, felt the light, reached and, out to me, felt the connection, you. right? Saw yeah, me through yeah. you and I that's saw you, I saw me through you and I was like, I need you. And so that was absolutely great. I love that. Yeah. So when you were talking, you know, when I asked you about the truth you stood under and you really talked about passion and purpose and, and I'm curious to know, cause I do believe life continues to evolve. You know, what more did Jesse find out about himself in this period of pandemic and stillness that we, I want to say we've actually been gifted with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what I found more about myself is there's a, a couple of things. One, creativity has been my medicine, and I didn't know it was until there was nothing else to do. Mm. Um, and and in the times where I was low, I could find strength in creating and making things. You know, so I would make whether it's a TV show or write a book or whatever the case is. It just that I so I knew I loved that, but I didn't know I needed it. Mm. Uh, and so that was important. The other thing uh, is like how much I need people. And I always loved being around people, but how important my core circle really became for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also then how much I need to make sure I put back into that. Mm-hmm. And so that's another piece too. Uh, but I'd say of those two, the biggest one is that I need to trust that people will help want to help me as much as I want to help them. Mm, that's big. Because I, I, I find like, yeah, Jesse's most like he'll, he's fine. He'll do it. He'll handle it. And I usually do. Uh, and I compartmentalize very well. Um, but then when you have all this space, some of the compartments start to open and I'm like, Oh man, I'm like really sad there. Or like, I really need a hug or I really need this, but like whatever the case is. And those probably were areas that I would just glass over mm-hmm. in the past. But this has shown me that I really need to lean into that as much as everything else uh, and let people help you. It's yeah. kind of selfish when you, I feel great when I help someone. Yeah. So like the arrogance of me not letting other people feel great. Yeah. So I need to just let them also feel what it feels like to be able to help individuals move uh, in whatever direction they want to go. 
I love that. I, I have another question for you, but remember I was telling you in the B-roll that I'm so sure you're going to take me away from the research that my team did. So I, um, I think what comes to me now is, and I shouldn't, I should not say this um, because it shouldn't be the case, but I love your level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And for a man, it's not easy. We talk about the mask of masculinity. I literally did a whole um, um, month. I honored men's health and I did a panel of, of men that I, you know, truly identified with because of their vulnerability. And I'm just curious, like, have you always been open and, you know, to share your heart, to, to admit your your level of vulnerability and authenticity and sort of your, your growth in your life? Or is it something you learned and came into? Yeah, I don't think it's binary, like yes and no. Mm-hmm. I think for sure it's gotten better uh, as I as, as I just age and mature. Like anything, I do, if I do a thing and there's a positive uh, reaction to it and I like what comes from it, I'd probably do more of it like any human would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think from a relatively early age, I was never uh, – it was never told not to, right? So my father was always like a pretty huggy guy. Not like a cry guy. I cry so much. Like, I don't know. The only person, my wife and I, or like, we cry the most. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. It could be commercial. It could be reading a card. Uh, and I love it, by the way. But uh, I think I've always had space, right? So if you have a safe space, mm. you can be brave. Yeah. And I think the fact that there's not a ton of safe spaces is hard for people to be brave, yeah. especially talking mental health and for men. And they want to uh, emote. They want a hug. They want their best friend to know that they need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the environment often is, hasn't been created to be safe that way, whether that's through language or through just customs and history. But, you know, like this idea of the trope of men being, like, really hard and, and courageous. And then I also challenge the idea that, like, really the courageous thing to do is to be broken, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually yes. easy to live in that thing. If you want to be the stereotype of courageous and be courageous, and be that first one in your group to say that you need them. I love you, and I'm sorry, and I need to cry. Yeah. It's unbelievable how great it feels, right? Yeah. It's a pretty amazing thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's been a part of the journey from the beginning, and I think I was privileged and lucky enough to have a family that was okay with that mm-hmm. uh, and modeled it well. I love it, I and I thank you. I thank you actually for it because I believe you're a lesson for a lot of men to be able to emulate, and you probably help a lot of men open up. You know, as a result of yeah, that. Yeah, you know what? I also think it's, I'm like, I'm 6'4", 250 pounds, right? So, but, and I say that this is probably not the best. It's a true story. I feel like maybe if I was, like, really small and slight uh, and I said the same things, they wouldn't be taken the same because of yeah, the toxic I guess so. I can, I can, yeah. Right, yeah. right like, I'm, I'm like, like, I look like a big jock. But I'm also one like contemporary dance and crying, right? So, so like, what, say something? You got a problem with that? Like, yeah. So there's a little... I have that space yeah. of physical privilege that's allowed me to just live in my emotions. So I hope that that doesn't have to be the case all the time. But and, I, hope, and I mean, back I to your first question, I think it's, I think that that's what this world needs from you, you know, and mm. you're, and you're actually using all of your attributes to, to deliver on that. So it's beautiful. Sure. I could do better and I'll try tomorrow. But thank okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I want to know, three sons, most um, biggest lessons you've learned from your sons. Oh, biggest lessons I've learned from my sons. Okay, well, shoot. The three sons, three different people. My oldest son, his name's Chili Hurricane James Lipscone. Uh, Chili Hurricane Jones Lipscone. The James, hurricane. yeah. The hurricane? Yeah, well, okay, so here's, this is funny. 30 minutes, man, here we go. Okay, yeah. so 
So, so I got Chili Hurricane James. That's my oldest. Trip Rider Binary. That's my middle. Okay. And Indiana George Porter is my baby. Uh, Chili and Trip, uh, their names come from when uh, their mother and I went on a trip to uh, Louisiana for the Hurricane Katrina relief. We, we raised a million teddy bears. We wanted to bring them all the displaced children. Uh, the food and stuff was taken care of, but we tried to bring some joy. So we went on this little drug drive. And, and while we were there, we're like thinking of baby names. And I thought Hurricane was great. She liked it as well. But then my, one of my favorite countries was Chile. Uh, so we thought we'd go Chile Hurricane and then James with her father's name. Now, trip. We took a trip in a rider van, a rider semi. <laughs> and he was born on a binary palindrome, 011110. So I'm like, I got the binary in his name. And then my youngest, named after Indiana Jones. Uh, and then George after. Uh, uh, her, his, his grandfather and Porter, Gregory Porter, is our favorite jazz singer. Uh, so that's where all the names came from. And what I learned from them more than anything is uh, it doesn't, you, you can't know everything and you have to be open to learn every single day. Yeah. So as much as I want to be the dad and like this is how you do stuff, they're seeing this world through a whole different lens than I saw mine. And I can't get caught up on this is what I did uh, and this is what was relevant, whether that's technology or whether that's just how they experience stuff. I have to make it a 50-50. They're going to teach me as much as I'm going to teach them. Mm -hmm. I just have to make sure that I keep them safe and give them a safe place to grow, right? That, but, other, but other than that, we're both teachers in this game. Yeah. Um, and that's a hard one when they're misbehaving and, uh, and I want to lose my mind. Right, but, but still, you're still learning, for, you're still learning from them in those <laughs> moments. I love yeah. that. Thank you. You know, it's so funny. I think one of Google's most popular questions is what to name my child. So I think I'm actually going to just clip that piece. There's yes, an answer, I Google. I love it. Okay, so you are incredibly creative. Um, interested to know what was your pathway to arts and becoming an actor at age 14? Yeah, it was literally, it was Sydney Poitier. So this is what happened. I, at that stage, you know, I loved singing and dancing, and it was all around our house. But I, and I, a, a career in it wasn't a, something I was thinking about at 13, 14. There was a little uh, newspaper clipping that said, uh, looking for African-American 14-year-old, loudish, obnoxious child. My mom's like, Jesse, you should try this. <laughs> and so I went out for the audition and I uh, booked it. And I booked it. And at that stage, I thought acting was the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, you do like nothing. They pay you a ton of money. Uh, and you do, you, that's, this is like a quote I said on Entertainment Tonight, an extra. I was sitting on a string. I'm like, yeah, they pay you like so much money. You don't even do anything. You just sit around and then you just go act for a minute. I look back, I'm like, oh my it's God. Not, why it's would so you? not that. But, <laughs> My girlfriend's an actor. You know, I got some roles afterwards just as a result of that one. But then when I left college and decided I want to be an actor, um, I wasn't getting any roles. I didn't book anything because I was bad. I had not trained. I just assumed it was easy. And so at that moment, I realized that I love it and I want to train. Mm -hmm. And I trained like I did as a professional athlete for it and really realized that it's, you know, when you know you love something, it's not how hard you'll work for it. It's how long will you suffer for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and and this is a job where suffering is kind of just part of it. You just say, please love me. And they're like, we don't over and over and over. Right. Uh, and so for me, it started, it started with that Sydney show, but really right after college in the face of a lot of uh, no and a lot of defeat. Mm -hmm. And I still had that drive to live in it still. I knew that that was what I wanted to do and will do till I die. Wow. I love that. And, and my next question is now on the, I like to say the opposite side, but I, as an athlete, as a pro athlete myself, I recognize it's all intertwined, but you yeah. know, what is, how has being a pro athlete helped you navigate life? I mean, 
I'll just For sidebar, sure. like even as I think about how I'm navigating this pandemic, it was like yeah. totally like the skill Ego set that mode. got me through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What what is, what sport did you do? I do bodybuilding now. I did soccer. I did football, soccer, um, for quite a number of years at a competitive level. But now I do. I compete in the International Federation of Bodybuilding as a pro athlete. Yeah, yeah. yeah just just curious because you know, like pandemics, basically that's like base training, wind sprints. Like you know, the other side's coming, but you got to do this thing. And it's just what you got to. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's. Like, I'd say for me as a, a high jumper, it was probably the. So here's the thing. As a high jumper, even though you win a lot, I jump high. I was number six in the world with the best. That, uh, but no matter how high I jumped, I had to lose before the competition was over. So you have to knock the bar off three times, mm-hmm. no matter what, right? And it doesn't end until you do. Mm-hmm. So you have to try your absolute hardest. Even if you're well ahead, even if you're way behind, you don't get to finish until you're done. Mm-hmm. So the big thing was completing things from the beginning to the end, even if I don't love it or I, I've changed my mind midway mm-hmm. through, it's not over yet. Right. So I have to knock it off three times. Basically that idea of you have to fail to win became kind of a part of my every day. Some days are good days, some are bad, but I, I got to finish what I started. Uh, and that process of finishing what you started opens up so many different doors that you might not even know because you want to mm-hmm. give up because you just didn't like it. Well, there was like, even today, my son was drawing and he was trying to copy this thing on YouTube and he kept messing up. And he's like, I don't want to do it. And I was like, yeah, I know you don't. But the lesson isn't actually finishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, lesson finishing isn't making it beautiful. It's just finishing the thing. Because mm-hmm. then it'll be the worst one you ever make. And the next one will be a little bit better. Uh, and in style of a five-year-old, he didn't care and quit and turned it off. But I'll keep this lesson going. And I assume one day it might sink in. But <laughs> for me, it's that idea of you got to finish what you start. And it's not over until you do. I love that. It actually it, it raises it. it, it um gives me bell the ding, 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 ding on some of the research yeah, that we yeah. did. So I'm, I'm going to just jump to one of the questions that we had is I know you talk about um, search for fear. And I mm-hmm. believe as well that the best of our lives is on the other side of like abject fear. And so mm-hmm. what is one fear you've searched for in your life and what showed up for you on the other side? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just interesting thing. I look for fear daily, right? Like all the time trying to find something that makes me a little bit, uncomfortable or even if it's something I'm comfortable in what in that thing can I try that I hadn't tried that might scratch the surface of something new uh and singing was probably like the heart of this uh I I started singing I sang with my family all the time but then you know I did this audition and it didn't go very well in Atlanta for the Lion King and I got really embarrassed after uh and I stopped singing fully I just quit singing uh and then it was like five seven six seven years later um, I wanted, yeah, that's a long, I didn't sing out loud, even in the shower. I was like, I was, I was very embarrassed at the situation of what happened. I was kind of made like, uh, I was made fun of like publicly, uh, it was a public audition and they could have taken that opportunity to coach me, but I was really green and I did come in under unprepared. There's a lot of things I could have done better, but, but I also got my feelings hurt because it was something I really loved, but I wasn't very proficient at it yet. So that, that's a tough combo. Like if you really love a thing and you're at, you know, you're not very good at that stage. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot for someone to just deter you onto a whole nother place. And that's what happened with me. But then I also love Canadian Idol, American Idol. Uh, and their the idols were coming to Canada auditions. And my partner at the time was saying, hey, maybe you should slay the lion, right? So let's, let's go for it. So I did this, I did the show and I did okay in it and made it to like maybe top 20, top 30. It wasn't amazing, but I was like, I'm not the worst singer yeah. in the world. 
But then right after that, I got asked to sing the national anthem at the, uh, it's this huge football game, pro football game in Edmonton. It was the 10th anniversary anniversary of 9-11, and I was supposed to sing the national anthem. I'm so scared. So I went and got a hypnotherapist, a psychiatrist, all of this stuff. I would go to karaoke every Wednesday by myself. I'd sing. Then I'd go in the car and cry. I was so embarrassed. But I keep going back until I stop crying after I sang. And then I got to the point where so sorry, you said yes to the experience, and then you went through all of this. Okay. Oh, by the way, that's another thing. Say yes first. Figure it out after. No, no. Yeah, yeah. You have time to figure it. Fill in the details. I mean, what can you do? Absolutely everything. What do you need a little bit time? So yes, I will say yes well before. That, that might be the actor trait. They're like, can you ride horses? Yes. Never read, read one, but I will learn in the next three weeks. It doesn't matter what it is. I'll say yes. I'll figure it out. What one man can do, another can do. Anthony Hopkins taught me that in a movie called The Edge, and I live with that one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. And so now you sing freely, I'm assuming. You're, you're past. Oh, I want to bark every single okay. time. Every time. Okay. Every time. But, but I will never let the fear get in the way. Because you're yeah. right, on the other side, it's always been amazing. Yeah. Every time. So, yes, I get scared and nervous. I got scared and nervous before this discussion with you. I, get, I'm, I am nervous all the time because I want to do my best all the yeah. time. Yeah. And I don't want to put a crappy foot forward. So I get nervous, which is the same as excitement yeah. chemically in our brain. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And that's why I try to say I'm always excited. I was like excited last week. <laughs> I was like, yeah. where's this Jesse guy? Oh, my God, I went through so all funny. of that just I'm here. And now you're here. I'm I'm, I'm here exactly when I'm supposed to. And it's even better because Sydney Poitier would not have been part of, well, wouldn't have been part of this discussion in the way that it was today. So that's awesome. So um, before I get into Rapid Thrivers, really wanted to talk about the work that you're doing. Um, Get awkward. And it it actually meant a lot to me, like watching that video. Like it was the first time I'd heard about it um, in the research and the team and uh, Mm -hmm. watching that video. But really, you know, want to know if you can talk to the listeners here about how it came to be and how can we leverage this movement? Because I truly believe it's bigger than yourself, right? Like, uh, especially that happened so long before the whole George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's, it's, it's incredible. It's a movement for its time before it's time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And how can we leverage it? Yeah, it was, I mean, in short, for those who don't know, and and I was shooting a commercial uh, in Edmonton, uh, about how wonderful our city was. And at the time, a car drove uh, by and started screaming racial slurs at me. We had it on camera because we were shooting. Uh, and I walked over to the car and had a discussion with them and just questioned why they thought that was an okay thing to do, why they thought it was okay to use me as the butt of their joke. Uh, they denied it, slammed the door, and then said it again. So we caught that on video, and I put the video out just to start a discussion on Facebook. Uh, and that discussion got a little viral. You know, it was shared hundreds of thousands of times, millions of views. Um, and then it was a, became a news story, as things do, you know, and it was like two days of a news cycle. There's like 100 interviews and realized, my wife and I realized that this is an opportunity for us to do something more than just mm-hmm. let it be, here's what happened to Jesse, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that every marginalized person has uh, gone through to some degree, larger or smaller, uh, and they understand it. And the outcry and out, and like the, they were astonished that this was happening, many white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's like, dichotomy of like well no we know this happens all the time and everyone else like this couldn't be our city so we thought we'd make it more of an opportunity and a platform for a discussion for all marginalized individuals across the board and uh, a resource for how can we stand up for each other in the face Mm -hmm. of these things so often it's 
you know, you're the victim, but you also have to be the bigger person at that same time. And how nice would it be if the bystanders or the people who were there that day, if they would have been able to come in, step in and say the right thing. Mm -hmm. But what's missing? Tools are missing. Tools have always been missing. Mm -hmm. Tools in, you know, your day-to-day interactions, uh, how we speak to each other, the environments that we create. And so make it awkward, uh, set out to become someone that can equip people with tools, mm-hmm. whether those be that in the workplace, at home, at school. Um, and we've done that through different events. And then also, as of late, a new game that we made that's called Not That Funny. Not That Funny is a game kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but it's the idea that it uncovers all the different microaggressions in everyday language for all the intersections. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, uh, why they're bad to say, how to say something different, and ultimately just equip yourself with more tools to be an everyday activist moving forward. And this might be a really big question to answer, but when you, with all the work that you're doing with organizations, and if you think about some of the older institutions, um, one of them that's become so apparent is I think about um, this analogy I heard where when back in the day when our parents would go to the doctor, they would say, I have a headache, the doctor would treat the headache. And then they go about, right. right, I have a pain, they treat the pain. Now when you go, you you get this you get this clipboard, you have to go and sit down, and you mm-hmm. have to say, you know, do you have any symptoms? Of, like, do you have any history, family history of this and that and that and that and that and that and that? And then you flip over. Like, and the reason why is because they're, before they could treat the symptoms, there's a need to really understand the underlying problems and issues. Mm-hmm. And so as you go to these organizations, you know, what are some of the biggest things that you feel they need to do in order to make the biggest impact? Yeah, I mean, for sure, a big, big question. But I think, uh, you know, if I, were to, if I were to do, like, the broad strokes, it usually boils down to uh, being able to see the problems that they hadn't seen before mm. and show it to them not with, like, a wagging finger, but, like, a mutual learning spot. Like, this is what it looks like, and this is what you might have missed. And then the second biggest piece is for sure representation um, in the higher levels that needs to exist. Um, and, and also on them understanding that that doesn't mean fire everybody that's white, uh, right? As, as opposed to making sure that there's access. Because yeah. they're scared. That's what they're scared of often, yeah, right? Like, yeah. I'm not, I worked hard to, no one said you didn't. No, that's not all we'll yeah, say, yeah, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, that access to this seat has not actually even been. Uh, shown to anybody and so how do we do that and so whether that means you know having people as consultants ensuring that money goes into funding areas where you never used to fund where you'll find people to bring them through the funnel that kind of stuff but ultimately representation and then uh, understanding what they've been missing whether that's through people like me coming in or listening to the stories for making safe spaces again for your employees to be able to speak up uh, and not be worried about what might happen if, because mm-hmm. safe people, again, they're brave people, and then brave people make the big changes. And ultimately, it's a capitalistic world, right? And so making sure you can spin and let them know that, as it turns out, you will make more money by being yes. more diverse. Yes, there's and a, there's that a, is the bottom a, line. Yes. Yeah, right? Yes. You know, we, we're here, most of us, as a result of capitalism, uh, not because we want it to be, yes. uh, but that's why a lot of us are here anyway. So the world we live in, I can be mad at capitalism for sure, uh, and colonialism. I'm also a benefiter. Ben, uh, I benefit from both of them. So while I'm in it, what can I do to make it a little yeah. bit better? Uh, that's also the language that a lot of you know C-level large corporations speak. So I love that. That's kind of the way that make it better. Yes, love it. Rabbit yeah. thrivers. Yeah. Do it. Let's when you think it. of someone who inspires you, who comes to first? Who comes first to mind, and why? Uh, I go with Oprah 
just she just jumped in real quick. Uh, and why? Because she she did she did the things she did from back when she was battling with Donahue and even her life before she got on there as a, a like a deeply melanated black woman on TV prime time and what she's doing now and who's just clamoring to even be close to her. Yes, I just I love how she flipped that script. Yes. I, I, yes. Yes, Oprah. Okay, what is yeah. a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Say again, I missed the first part. What is a daily activity that helps you with your mm-hmm. thrive? Uh, creating in any way possible, oh. whether that's writing, singing, uh, but just making something that didn't exist yesterday. I love that. You are a creator, not a consumer of this world. Woo! What is a book that helps you with your thrive? Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Uh, that is the, the most important book in my entire life. Uh, Nina Simone sings about it, about him. It's a, the reads probably 40 minutes, very short, small book, life-changing book. Uh, I, like, I need everyone to read this book. Okay. You can also listen to it for free the audiobooks on youtube it's been around for some time uh mid 1900 no 19 not 1900 like 1940 1950 kind of thing okay uh, and i don't even say more i can't even i don't even know how to explain it it's about a seagull who discovers their true purpose and how they can do absolutely anything they want to it's just such a beautiful a story okay so i am yeah. i am going well first of all the book's going in the show notes and the link if it's uh if it's yeah. free audio on youtube um yeah. apps what is an app on your phone that helps you with your thrive App on the phone that helps my camera app. Like your TV. You film a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, follow him on IG. Everything you want to <laughs> he'll he'll light you up. Just trust me. Yes. Like I don't have like a like a productivity app that works. I mean I'm also a severe ADHD adult, so like I, I downloaded a lot of them. Yes. yes. <laughs> what, was, was it you? I, I don't know if it was you. Did you do a post where you did like in 20, like a 2021 reflection about a whole bunch of things. Like, I think you put Gary V, like your top. Yeah. Ten, was that That's you? Right. You did, did that? Okay. Yeah. It was yours. Yeah. It was yours. I actually took that, sent awesome. it to my, my podcast team to say, well, cool. that this is something that we need to post. This is awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. I, I thought, you know, we do that, that uh, best in nine, best nine. Yes, best right, nine. Yeah. I want to do my like inspired done. The people who inspired me this year on Instagram. Yes, I like that. That was awesome. I love that. So what is one misconception that people, the world, you know, just around you that have of you as they see you, like, you know, your interviews, doing this, changing Mm -hmm. the world. Like what's the one misconception that you believe people have? Yeah, I think the one that goes, that happens often is that uh, there's like, I'm, Everything that I'm doing, I'm doing for a personal gain. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that I, uh, uh, there's always something nefarious behind what I'm doing. Uh, that and there's no way he's this nice or this happy. <laughs> it's fake. There's no one can be like this all the time. It's probably the most common two that I get are those. Yeah. I get that one too. Yeah. 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 We're looking at them right now. It's, we, cho- you know. it's truly choice. It is yeah, actually it is. choice. Like my whole thing is some of you, like, why are you so positive? I'm like, well, okay, let me just try and choose negative. <laughs> let me yeah. just try and say that. Like, do you ever really say that to anyone? That's, uh, anyway. I know, I know. It's also, like, because I get to. Yes, right. I get, I get to. I yeah, choose like, to. But that's the thing with everything. People say, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. If you just switch the word to I get to. I get to. Literally to. Yeah. The blessing. Like, I get I to. Yeah. I, I get to have three jobs today? Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the way he's saying it, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I get to be, I get to, yes, I get to. Okay, yeah. so uh, where do you, well, I mean, Instagram is definitely a place, but, you know, where do you want to, where can you share in terms of what we can, where we can find out more about you? Do you have any projects coming up that we should tune in on? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple movies and TV shows that are out now. Black Summer's still on Netflix crushing. Uh, Joe Pickett's out, just started right now. That's on Spectrum uh, and Hulu in the States. Um, you know, I got my first uh, young adult fiction fantasy book that should come out this year if everything goes according to plan. I'm really enjoying writing it. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, music comes out every month. I drop a single or two. Um, I got a new television series. It's a comedy uh, that'll be coming out, or we'll be filming it this year. It'll probably be out in the next year. Um, yeah, you know, same old, same old, just making things that feel right. And I love can- that. You really are a creator, man. Damn. Yes, <laughs> I love it. So this podcast is called Empowered in My Skin. My organization is actually called Empowered in My Skin. But want to know what it, what it means to you to be empowered in the skin that you're in. What does that mean? Um, yeah, for me, when I, when I hear that, it's one of the things that makes me just want to like put my shoulders back, chin up a little bit, uh, and just really lean into my blackness. Mm. And I love that. You know what I mean? And, and then if I'm being technical in the winter, it's my toasted bagelness <laughs> and my, uh, and, and, and this, but here's the thing. I went to, I went to home Depot to check, uh, and, uh, I, I want I'm antique walnut in the summer and toasted bagel in the winter. I want to know what my true color was. Right? <laughs> what you went, ac- you went across a color swatch or something. I did that swatches, and I'm like Benjamin Moore says, although a white man, uh, he says that I am an antique walnut. Uh, but either way, I like I hear that, and I lean and, into it hard, yeah. and I love it, and I love, I, and I just love elevating and uplifting and sharing and learning. Black people are so amazing. We're yeah. so cool. That's true. It's so and so smart and so innovative. I cool ass black woman. And I know this has nothing to do with the question, but it just reminds me of the pyramids uh, and, and all these different places. And you see all these scientists talk about, there's no way this could have been done by humans at that stage. It had to be aliens or black people. Like just say what it is. You just don't want to let it be what it is. No, we were dope, super geniuses. We did some stuff they couldn't do yet. And they're like, it's gotta be aliens. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's gotta be us. And it was. I so love that. I love that. I love that. I love you. I can, can talk, I can keep talking to you. So that you have the microphone to the world. Finish the sentence. What the world needs now is. More empowered in my skin. More cool ass black women like yourself. <laughs> and more brave people to step up and use their platform like you are doing. And I am so grateful and humble that you had me on your show today. Oh, wow. That was a, I, that's it. I'm done. Mic dropped. <laughs> Listeners, you heard it from him. Thank you so much, Jesse. I always say this. I don't need to know you to love you unconditionally. You just, you, you lit up my life and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And you're making such a great, your legacy was left in, in this interview. Um, today and you're just you're truly awesome so happy we had this time together and to all my listeners that are listening this is where i sadly have to say we're out bye-bye <laughs> so there you have it i hope you are thriving and feeling empowered and thoroughly enjoyed this episode and remember whatever platform you're listening to this on Please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Bilyeu says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. 
It's been awesome sharing energy with you. It's your girl and I'm out.